Blog Talk Radio. there, Ms. Atkinson? I'm fine. How are you? Okay. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for them okay. to plug us I'm, in. Well, I'm sorry, but I just got in. Excuse me. Uh, this is Marty Oakley, and I already started, and I don't want to repeat myself, but <laughs> this is the USDA Hour with Lawrence Lucas, and we're having a little technical difficulty here. Hopefully that will clear up shortly. Um, but we've got a really good show for you this evening. We're going to be talking about the USDA, one of the most dysfunctional agencies with regards to the public, its employees, and the people it is supposed to serve, maybe second only to the VA. They're probably running neck and neck with dysfunction. It is one of the most mismanaged, politicized organizations that parades itself around as a government agency. And the USDA, by the way, is a privately owned corporation. It is contracted to the federal corporation as a governmental services provider. And it pretty much does whatever it wants to do. It now is in the grips of Tom Vilsack again. As you might recall, uh, he was for two terms, I think, uh, Secretary Vilsack of the USDA, and the discrimination, the, the, the mess that man, man made of USDA, why they put him back in there, maybe just to finish the job. Hell, I don't know. Uh, I remember when he was governor of Iowa. I lived there two terms. They called him Monsanto's golden boy. The, the man is for sale uh, to the highest bidder. They took him on Caribbean cruises. They <laughs> lavished him with all sorts of expensive gifts and trips and whatever else. And he turned the entire state into a huge hog farm. It used to be when you came from, like, say, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you came into Des Moines, uh, what you smelled as you got closer to Des Moines was Italian food. The Italian Food Festival in August was ooh, wonderful. 
and all you could smell was bread and garlic and pasta and all these wonderful Italian foods as the festival went on. After Vilsack got done, all you could smell was hog farm. Uh, it, it So much happened under his administration there in Iowa and how he got to be, other than the fact that he was, like I say, for sale, um, head of any U.S. agency is beyond me. But there he is again. Things got worse under his administration. He's back. Nothing has improved. Nothing. Um, the black farmers have tried to meet with him. <laughs> they have tried to to work with him. The man just is not a uh, is not a, a bendable. He just is not going to give up whatever he is there to do. He's intent on doing. And what this has done is it has cost the black farmers land. It has cost them in ways you cannot even imagine. And so this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. So as we move through this, uh, I'm going to let Lawrence take this over. And Lawrence, let him have it. Okay. Thank you, uh, Marty, for having us on tonight. I want to thank um, Marcel Reed for uh, making, helping to make this show possible and having this open window uh, to talk about issues dealing with whistleblowers and issues dealing with civil rights around the country. Uh, we're fortunate we're fortunate enough tonight to have uh, with us, and we're waiting for Eddie Slaughter to come in. I've been here there since y'all started. When y'all talked to Ms. Oh, Atchison, oh, go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, Eddie is here. Um, we have Ms. Atkinson. And um, we're going to always, we have each person introducing themselves, but I want you to know that uh, we have Ms. Bernice Atkinson here with us today. She's the executive director of the Black Farmers of Shelton County, Alabama. Uh, I met Mrs. Atkinson uh, many years ago. She has uh, participated in every major hearing dealing with black farmers. She has demonstrated up and down between here and Alabama and even further south. Um, she has been an excellent um, advocate for black farmers and for civil rights. And we also have um, Mr. Eddie Slaughter. We've had Eddie Slaughter on as well on this show before. He's the executive director of the American Agricultural Association, and uh, he has been demonstrating and an advocate for black farmers ever since I got involved. I met him very early uh, when I got involved with this issue in 1994 as president of the USDA Coalition of Minority Employees. And now I'm here representing not only them, but also representing the Justice for Black Farmer group. I want to say thank you both for coming on. But before we uh, get into the dialogue and the questions, I want to play something that I think is very striking and something we would like to share with our listening audience. Again, thank the both of you all for being on tonight uh, with us and, and, taking, and having us to take up some of your time. But this is what I would like for you to hear before we get into to further introductions and into the subject matter of U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, racism and sexism, and the agency that's called the Last Plantation. When you hear this trailer, 
from the documentary uh, of Black Farmers. It will give you an idea as to why we do what we do. I lost my livelihood in farming. I couldn't farm. They took away the one thing that I really loved, and that was farming. That's what the USDA did. He showed me a big tarp that had the words on it, nigger, go home. He took the lack of commitment by too many people, not really caring whether we did justice or not. Even as long as it's been, you know, we've experienced discrimination for a very, very long time, and most people would have given up uh, to this date. I haven't given up, and I never will give up, you know, until justice is served. That's what my daddy would always say. He says I wasn't in trouble or anything. Everything was fine until I went up to defend my dad. And he says, well, what was I supposed to do? He says, I'm a man, and that's my dad, and I'm supposed to defend him. He said, don't let USDA take my hand. It was like anybody else that just wants to look the hand. And we've done that. Nobody else has taken it either. But for sure, the USDA would never did. Quite frankly, I say that the United States Department of Agriculture yeah. murdered, murdered them. my mother and father and my brother. will give you an idea of the pain and suffering that farmers have gone through. And I think the trailer tells us a lot before getting started. Uh, with that being said, uh, Ms. Atkinson, I would like for you to give us, and you're going to have to be short in your answers tonight, um, because uh, we have a lot to cover. So can you tell us a little bit about why you are involved in your family and your husband and your family, and then we're going to go uh, to, in a little more detail with um, with uh, Eddie Slaughter. And I also would like for each person uh, to make sure there's no nothing in the background. And if you're not uh, speaking, uh, I would appreciate if you could. Um, and I will do the same, uh, mute your phone while uh, our guests are talking. Um, Ms. Atkinson, I thank you for coming on. Give us a little background as to why you are doing what you're doing and, and, and what you have to offer to this show and the listening audience tonight. And thank you again for coming on. Well, thank you, Mr. Lawrence. Uh, I'm Bernice Atchison of Chilton County, Alabama. Uh, I do what I do because I love my people, and I have been called as a servant. And being a servant, I have to do whatever I can to empower those that I touch. So when all of this problem began, when my husband was alive, in the early 80s, uh, I joined in with him as he uh, began to fight this fight. And when he and 
four or five of the other men that were in it passed on. There was no one left to continue the fight except me and my children. So we decided that um, it was left up to me to continue the fight to bring justice and equity uh, to our county. And so I was called to Washington to testify before the Judiciary Committee uh, that's where I met you. And uh, I testified before the Judiciary Committee, and they had the power then to right this wrong that was going on uh, since the early 80s, and it, is, it was then 2004. But they they declared that my due process rights had been broken and that I had not been given justice and I had been discriminated against, but what they failed to do was to implement that program and to oversee what they passed on to the USDA. And, of course, uh, Don uh, Glickman, who was in at at that time, uh, didn't do any of the things that he was supposed to do. Uh, But he did call for the Crack report. He did the crack report, and of course, the crack report condemned USDA for all of the wrongs uh, that they were doing to black farmers at that particular time. We ended up in the uh, 1999 uh, lawsuit, and it was a chaotic disaster. Uh, then we went out of the 1999 lawsuit into um, the 2004 hearings and on into the second lawsuit of Pickford versus Glickman, uh, which I was a claimant in. That became a disaster. And then we went from that one into Enray. Uh, most people don't realize that uh, Pickford II was never litigated. Uh, it turned out to be introduced into the uh, NRA uh, lawsuit that uh, eventually fell in 2010 and was paid in 2013. So therein, that particular suit, the judge, who was Judge Paul Freeman, uh, announced that I would represent the 66,000 black farmers that were denied entry into the Pickford versus Glickman lawsuit. But the problem was I was not a certified lawyer, which he and I discussed. But it didn't make any difference with uh, Paul Freeman. He said, you have dotted the I's and crossed the T's, so therefore you shall represent the 66,000 denied black farmers uh, into Pickford. So here we are today, still fighting for a due process and equal rights. Uh, and that's about where we are. Now I am the president of the Friends of the African Union, FAU SmartWise Community Reinvestment Coalition here in Chilton County. 
And we have a resolution. We have put a resolution on the on the table uh, at the White House. We've been working with them for the last uh, several months, and we have put a resolution on the table, and we have gone public with it today out of California uh, at the festival. So, okay. Uh, Ms. Atkinson, what we're going to do is we're going to, um, pardon me button in, but we're going. I want to kind of talk about that. Uh, later on, okay. uh, w- when we when we get into uh, the uh, further discussion, um, okay. let me uh, because of time, let me introduce uh, Eddie Slaughter. Uh, Sla- uh, Mr. Slaughter and I have been uh, friends and advocates on this issue. And Eddie, I would like for you to kind of summarize uh, in short. What got you started in this real quickly and where we, where you are today? And then we'll get into some of the questions and some of the issues that you are dealing with now. Uh, this is Eddie Slaughter. Thank you for coming on. Yes. Uh, my name is Eddie Slaughter. I'm from Benavista, Vista, Georgia. I own uh, 200 and about 10 acres of land here in Georgia. Um, but the fight began way before I even bought the farms back in 1986 because it was my uh, grandfather and grandmother's farm. But USDA was trying to sell it to one of the bigger white farmers here, so we fight for quite a while. And uh, I found out that if I was living on the land and an heir, I would have first opportunity to it. So I took those shotgun shack on the farm and, you know, uh, know, uh, rebuild it, remodeled it and moved in it, so that gave me the opportunity to finally get it, but it was a struggle all the way, and not knowing that when I got into it that it was going to be worse than that because I had an off-farm job at the time working for Procter & Gamble, and they came to me after they gave me the loan the second year and said, hey, you're making uh, most of your income is from your off-farm job, so you're going to have to find another way uh, to uh, get your uh, somebody to finance it for you because 51% of your income got to be coming in off the farm. So uh, with that, I said, okay, I go in and I, I borrowed money to put in the irrigation and, you know, equipment and everything, and that's when it started. Man, those people, you had so many rules and regulations that they violated and did this, and there's one thing after another. And so... Uh, eventually realized that this whole system was designed to take your land anyway. And once I realized that, I ended up joining the fight, and I guess I've been fighting in it ever since, you know. Um, And uh, we look at it, and only when you look at equal justice under the law, we just have to face the fact that it doesn't exist in America for the black and the poor. And that's a harsh reality that we all have to face. And for USDA... uh, to be, and I just now learned from uh, from Marty Oakley that USDA is not ran by the government, but ran by a private agency. So now I can see why Tom Vilsack, being the grand wizard that he deals, and he runs it just like it's his plantation, and he don't worry about the law, the rules, the regulations, or anything. He have falsified documents. You know, he have created offsets to cause even greater harm. And somebody has estimated that it's over $25 million that the black farmers have paid USDA for the discrimination we suffered. 
and nobody can believe that, but that's what they're saying. And I believe it because what they did when they refused to give us debt relief for our farms, uh, you know, most of the black farmers went for their $50,000, and they would discharge all of your debt. You know, but they got the $50,000, and they refused to discharge the debt. And right at that time, it was a little over a million, uh, million acres in inventory with USDA that the black farmers had and owned it. And when they did not get discharged the debt, they automatically turned around because we was 18 months to two years late. And so they began to offset, you know, whatever monies you had coming through the government. When you, when you filed your income tax, you didn't get it. It went to USDA. Uh, they would go ahead on and garnish your uh, Social Security disability check, your uh, red road pension, you know, uh, all of the subsidy payments that you would have get, you don't get none of them. All of them go to pay down the debt. And so we ended up paying them, uh, we are estimated between 20 to $25 million over the last 22 years. So that we have paid for the racism that we suffered. We, we, we didn't, they didn't give it to us. We paid for it. We bought it, you might as well say. And when you look at all of the injustice that's going on, it's amazing how a man of uh, Vilsack caliber, when he was uh, governor of Iowa, they had over 5,000 uh, complaints against him by African Americans about he was not hiring them, he was not promoting them. And so, you know, and then I can't realize when he left there and came here for two years and everybody was against him coming, but when he came here, he looked at it and did it and ran it just as he pleased. And everything that he claimed that over the eight years that he was with the Obama administration, uh, one of the biggest uh, falsifying of documents was the data showing that we, we, we uh, increased from 17,000 to uh, about uh, 38,000, you know, and we know that was a lie, but they wrote those kind of stuff, and they wrote all kind of stuff that he did this and how he improved civil rights, and the fact was that everything got worse under uh, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, and uh, even to this point now, and when you have the Senate to write up legislation and make it law, and, and they approve of it, and then they hand it down to the House, and the House passes it. They send it to the president, and the president signed it. We're the only people in America when the three top branches of government signed something and make it law that it would happen. But because they turned it over to Tom Vilsack, we knew then that it wasn't going to happen. We begged with all the senators to take that money and put an ombudsman over it put it into a private account, and let in 30 days let them pay the people off. But Tom Vilsack drugged around, deliberately drugged around to try to blame somebody else for his, you know, his poor implementation of it. He came up with a process of how you had to qualify. If you say black farmers are entitled to this money, what do I need to qualify? I'm a black farmer, and y'all been discriminated against. But no, he said then you had to go and sign up to prove that you was black and you had to be a one of color and associate disadvantage and they played all these games. And so then later on uh, the, the white farmers came in, but it was Vilsack that made sure he held it up until something could have been done about it when we all could have been paid and all this could have been behind us. But he deliberately drug his feet. And I wouldn't doubt if he didn't go out and seek the farmers to file this to stop us from getting it. And so 
you look at him, the stuff that he has done, <clears throat> you look at his record. Uh, it was reported that uh, a black woman that was working for USDA Rural Development in Georgia by the name of Shirley Sherrod, and a report came out that she had discriminated against a white farmer. He called this black woman, Shirley Sherrod, made her pull over on the side of the road and on her cell phone demand her resignation. And then found out later that everything that he uh, he had done was a lie. But at the same time, we have a white woman by the name of Stephanie Jackson here in Fort Valley, Georgia, in USDA Farm Service Agency. She's the loan officer there. Even though President Biden said that there's a moratorium in effect and stop foreclosures until we can get back to the debt forgiveness that was going on. And she uh, issued out acceleration of collection of debt and foreclosure notices, even though the President of the United States had issued an order that there was a moratorium in effect and that no adverse action would be taken against anybody that's delinquent because they didn't get the debt relief. And after she issued those, she went on further and went to the meal farmers that had gathered their peanuts and had them in the meal and the people that had gathered their uh, cotton and everything she was issuing out threats against them and sending them notices that don't pay these farmers, that, uh, you know, USDA Farm Service Agency got a lien against it. But okay. her being a white female is so it means that she was white and privileged. She hadn't been fired. She hadn't been reprimanded or nothing. So we clearly see a double standard in all of his dealings all the way around. Okay, well, well okay. Um, i tell you what, we have a number of questions, and what I'd like to do is I want you all to answer uh, uh, these questions and have dialogue even between, the two, between all of us. But um, bringing us up to date, uh, Mrs. Atkinson, tell me, what do, what do you see the problem being in, in real time today? as the reason why black farmers are going through the problems they're going through. And what is, what is it? Give me at least one or two solutions real quick. Well, the problem has been that we have not been given justice or equal access to the programs that has already been put into, in, in, into the system. Uh, the black farmers is not, have not been given that the same process that the white farmer has been given. We go in to uh, uh, apply for a loan, and it will take us, uh, in, instead of the regular 180 days, it will take us 700 days. And by then, it's too late. We can't buy no land. I went in to buy uh, 20 acres of land to expand my farm, and uh, it was uh, a year later before I heard from her, and by the time I heard from her, if I had waited, I would not have been able to have gotten the land. But we are not given due process, and we are not given the same respect that they give to the, the white farmers. We uh, uh, have not been given the use of proceeds that was there, uh, supposed to have been given out to the farmers, we are not given those. And then when we are given loans and whatever, they're at a smaller rate than what we need or what what they're giving to the white person for the same thing. So how can we balance the scales 
if you're giving one person uh, 100%, but you ain't giving the other one but 60%. The scale just can't balance. So, therefore, the, the, the black farmers not having the use of the program, not having the use of going to the banks and, and getting the money because of the redlining and all of these other problems have caused us to lose land and to uh, uh, not be able to have good crops because you just can't you 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 can't you can't deal with a crop if you don't have the uh, amount of fertilizer or whatever you need in order to to uh, give your plants nutrients. If you can't give oh. them nutrients, then you are luck. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, Mr. Slaughter, can you kind of add to um, what Ms. Atkinson has said uh, and with regards to why black farmers tell the listening public as to what's going on now in real time that's keeping black farmers and why are they treated uh, differently than white farmers? Mr. Slaughter? Okay. Yeah, and, uh, yeah my other, I, I want you to kind of address, address that same I, question. I wanted to, to ask, in any time you see the SDA system running like it does, it's because there is a receiver on the other end, if you know what I'm saying. And so you need to look and find out is land. On that, and Bill Gates, of course, now owns three hundred agricultural acres here in the U.S. And it's be important to show show the end result. Like I say, who is getting this land? Why are they allowing this to happen? Causing it to happen? Doing it blatantly right in front of everybody. And who's receiving that land? That land isn't sitting there idle. It went to someone. I would find out who it went to and what they're doing with it because this is a concerted effort to reach back. You know, I told you years ago we were fighting premises ID and animal identification, and New Zealand Agritech had struck that deal with Vilsack um, to take over dairy operations in the five southeastern states, and all the milk in the country was going to be produced in those five southeastern states. And but they were steadily closing down the dairy farms in every state, the privately owned dairy farms. So we knew the receiver on this was New Zealand Agritech, and as it turned out, that didn't pan out the way they wanted to. In the beef industry, those big herds running out west, most of them are running under family and corporate names, but basically overrun by JBS Brazil, and that's a big beef production company in Brazil. There again, a deal struck with JBS Brazil between USDA and them, that they would allow them to take over the beef industry. And the last I knew, they owned all but one stockyard and two of the packing plants. They were. This was a deal they struck. So especially when you're dealing with Vilsack, this guy is just, whew, um, find out who the receiver is on that land. Who got that land or who was after it? Because that'll tell you the story right there of why they're doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. But anyway, that's my comment. 
Go ahead. Eddie, uh, uh, Eddie uh, what can you add to where we are? And uh, you you have been involved in this issue a long time. Kind of tell us what's what's going on now, and what are, what do you what do you feel needs to happen at USDA, and what are you and your organization and your group of farmers doing about it, Eddie? Eddie Slaughter. He must have got locked up. Lawrence. Yes. Hello. Yeah, hello, uh, Eddie. Are you there? Yes. Uh huh. I had muted and did it like I tried to unmute it and it didn't want to unmute. But y'all hear me now clearly? Yeah. 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 Um, make sure you are un, 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 unmuted at the right time. Um, I want you to kind of give us an update of what you think is going on in and around USDA and what the, the black farmers uh, are doing uh, from your from your viewpoint that is good to kind of get this issue resolved? Well, when you talk around the country, we've been talking to about 15 or 16 different states, and all of us agree the only time we're going to be able to receive justice is that Bill Sack got to go. After nine years, him being there, you know, it's obvious that we are not going to uh, improve our numbers. We retain our land, we're not going to get the debt release, he's not going to pay us what he's actually owed us, and right now there's $750 million in the American Rescue Plan, and uh, $75, uh, $75 million he, aside, he gave to about 20 nonprofit organizations, and a few of them was black, making it look like he was helping black farmers, when in fact he wasn't doing nothing to help the black farmers. And then, uh, not only that, it had uh, money in there for technical systems and had money for the 18th Land College. And that was also a part of Section 006 that said to black farmers that have suffered past discrimination, they're entitled to the rate payments out of this money. And he has refused absolutely to pay even one black farmer. You know, he have done everything that he created an equity commission and put all these black folks on it. And, you know, these are some honorable folks, and some of the rest of them. But really, it makes it look like he's doing something to help when, in fact, he's making it worse. And when he says that the problem with the black farmers is we're going to give all this money to these uh, 501c organizations and technical society, and they're going to go out there and show the black farmers how to fill out the application, how to cash flow, and that's their problem. The problem is not filling out the application. The problem is when we give the, turn the application in, the people turn us down. That's the problem. The problem is right there sitting at the office of USDA, that all of these good old boys, they turn you, when they turn you down, ain't nothing. You go through the appeal process, and you're going right back to USDA, so you really don't get nothing done with the National Appeal Organization. And the only way that anything is going to ever happen and improve with us, Thomas Vilsack, the Grand Wizard of USDA, he operated like he's his last plantation. He got to go in order for anything to go forward or to improve. And the, the Biden administration, I can't understand for the life of me, out of everybody he could have chosen, why would they choose Tom Vilsack? And he had already did a miserable job for the last eight years. And now they want to put it back in there. And the eight, eight years that they was there, he suffered. That was a moratorium in effect. 
but he went down to Whitaker, North Carolina, and took Eddie and Dorothy Wise and had them to evict them from their farm. And they came in there uh, with full military attire, those uh, federal marshals did. And I mean, Dorothy Wise, it was so devastating to them that she didn't live a year after that eviction. And Eddie Wise, I think he's now living with some of his sons and daughters trying to, you know, uh, keep himself sane. So, you know, I hold him responsible for that murder as well as so many other murders. He has done something that if he had been a Republican, they would have tarred and feathered him and drug him through the mud and ran him out of town. But for some reason, that this guy is able to stay there, but he keep putting money out there looking like he's doing something. And, uh, and he's really doing nothing but hurting the black farmers. And our situation and our struggle gets worse. And our condition, and every year, just like uh, Bernard Bates was, uh, I think he was 84, 82 years old. He died a little over a month ago. Been fighting ever since uh, Ronald Reagan in 81 uh, for, for justice. And, and uh, so many of, uh, of our elder farmers are transitioning out of this world. And they're leaving their families, and the whole cry that all of them have, I wish we could solve this before I die, because I hate to leave my sons and daughters with this kind of mess. But, you know, so far, he has willed and deal, and, but, you know, no lie can live forever. This man here, he's telling a bunch of lies, and he's saying this, and he's saying that. But if you look at how he have done, well, uh, he had ran it so miserably, I can't understand why would they keep him there. But uh, he, he's, he's, he's going. His time is very limited. Uh, no lie can live forever. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, th- those are some very good points. Um, since this issue of the Equity Commission uh, that has been officially established and is controlled and overseen by Secretary Vilsap. Uh, Ms. Atkinson, what do you think about uh, some of the things that Mr. Slaughter has said, and what do you think about this whole issue of an equity commission uh, being formed to solve the problem and find the problems at USDA? Do we need an equity commission? Well, I don't think I don't think the equity commission is going to do any more than it already has done. Uh, we've had the equity commission. They've done their study. They've uh, given their report, and they have not done very much about what the equity commission did. But what we bring to the table is four components. We bring to the table. Uh, our program made local, and we're going to put uh, the proposal on the table, and we have given um, uh, the, the in that proposal, we have given what we will do with the use of proceeds, and we have done it under a bank-based private partnership. Uh, the pos- proposal of the Black Folks Plan made public was announced today in, in California. It is a $50 billion uh, proposal. It is levied over five years, and we are working with uh, the White House, and we started several months ago. We are, brought, we are bringing in, if they can't do it, we are bringing in the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, 
we also have told the USDA if they can't meet the needs of the black farmer business uh, that they serve in farming, we'll create this $50 billion public-private partnership and PNC Bank and the National Community Reinvestment Coalition has already, um, we have already put uh, $300 in uh, $46 billion on the table, uh, and we uh, have made the announcement public today, so uh, we're beginning our paperwork. They've, they've been fine. We brought okay. to the table. Uh, but, but tell me this, Ms. Atkins. How is that going to uh, resolve the issue of the continual uh, systemic discrimination at USDA. That, that, well, um, uh, we carried how, how does that fix the, the problem? We, we carried it to the United Nations under the human rights, and that's how we're going to resolve it. We're also a part of the World Council of Mayors. So the World Council of Mayors and the, and, and the uh, United Nations uh, is going to help us to resolve this problem on the human rights. Okay. Okay. Well, um, thank you. Uh, Eddie, um, tell me, um, I'm, I'm posing the same question to you. Um, what is going on that's going to deal with the systemic problem at civil rights? I think uh, many of our listeners want to know what are the solutions uh, that are out there that you think Unnecessary. Like we haven't talked anything. What about the well, county committee system? What about the uh, the thousands of cases that haven't been resolved? Uh, Eddie, can you uh, the, the give, give us some input? Pay. The solution is to pay those farmers under the uses of proceeds that has been put on the table. Okay, uh, Eddie, um, I, I would like to have your comment as well. Wholeheartedly, you know, and a lot of the uh, farmers was hopeful that uh, once the, that uh, they started using out of that section out of the uh, American Rescue Plan Act, that one zero zero six, they thought sure they would planting season right upon us and everything. And the way they was giving out the money, that sure that they would start paying direct payments to black farmers, that would give them some release that they could uh, buy their seeds on time and fertilize on time, fuel and everything on time to get the crop in on time, and that happens. The thing that, it, uh, the only way you're really going to solve any problem with USDA, you got to first get rid of Tom Fields. Like, there's no other way because this man has been an obstructionist for eight years in the Obama administration, and he's just as miserable now they brought him back, and he's even worse. And he feels that he's above the law. I don't feel like even when the senators wrote him letters about what he was carrying, he didn't have enough decency to even write them back and tell them about it. The only thing that's going to be going to solve the problems with USDA and start improving, you got a county committee system, and every one of these county committees in almost every county or in this country, they got a county committee, and what that county committee does is decide on who can and who can't own land. And if you go into USDA and you file for the Basel for Land, and if they decide that they don't want you to have it, they'll simply vote it down and they'll deny your loan. Uh, you go
yes, you looking at? When you got all of these officers in there that denied all of these black loans, you know, none of these people are being uh, reprimanded. None of them are being punished. And that's why it encouraged them to continue the injustice that they're doing. Nobody has been fired. Nobody has been reprimanded. Nothing. So, and, and even when with Pickford, it did nothing to hurt USDA. If that money had came directly out of USDA budget, then you'd have seen some changes. But as long as it's coming out the judgment fund, it has no effect on USDA in the way it's done. And when you look at it right now, we know that if you had somebody besides Bill Sack there, when uh, President Donald Trump was, ha- was having that trade war with China, and China stopped buying all the soybeans from the farmers in the United States, and, uh, and, Obama, uh, and, and Donald Trump saw that he put uh, $46 billion, he took it out of the Commodity Credit Corporation, and three, four days later, those farmers had that money, and they still had their crops that they could sell anywhere they wanted to. You know, so it ain't no such thing. Even with the with the lawsuits in order, if you had somebody besides uh, Tom Vilsack there, they could go into the Commodity Credit Corporation and do the same thing. That's their discretionary fund to do as they want to. And he go into it, and he spent uh what uh sixty three point three million dollars in South Carolina with all kind of crazy stuff. He giving away money for. But when it comes to the black farmers, not one. So, you know, all, everything goes around when you have one person allowed to have a free hand to do as he wills, as feels like he has, it's nothing left for him to leave there. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, my prayer is that he's going to be gone soon. I don't think he's going to last the rest of this year because, you know, injustice anywhere, it's, it's like the King says, the threat to justice everywhere. This is not just a black issue. This is a human rights issue for everybody. That's why we said it to the United Nations. Um, okay, Mrs. Atkinson, tell me, um, with all this going on, uh, we have many black leaders um, out there talking about their concern about black issues and civil rights. Um, are they, what, what has happened to the black leadership? And I want you to answer that question very quickly, and, uh, and I want uh, Eddie to chime in right after that. What is going on with our black leadership to make sure that this issue at USDA is fixed? Well, I think our black leadership has just not uh, come together as it should should have uh, for the better good of the people. I think they 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 put their own criteria or their own feelings in there uh interject that in there and that is what hindering us coming together and working out a solution we need to come together and to work out a solution whereby we can uh, get this past get this over with because it's been long enough i've been fighting just the Pickford part of it, for the last 22 years with uh, Judge Paul Freeman. And I'm not a lawyer. But I do the best I can. I've kept it uh, in the court, and he has not been able to to dismiss it. But I can't, I'm, I, as, as, as the brother just said, I'm getting old now. 
I can't live forever. It needs to be resolved. We need a resolution now. And the farmers cannot put a crop in the ground if they don't have proceeds. And they have been stressed so over these uh, past debt. Those that are in debt has been eat up with 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 with, with uh, their indebtedness until they just don't have the money to uh, to put their their crops in to do what they need to do. I have my my land, and uh, I don't have any indebtedness on it because we worked hard to free it of its indebtedness. But then I can't farm it like I want to farm it because uh, I can't get the loans and and and, and the uh, and, and the revenue of the programs that are there. When I went to get uh, the loan for to get me. Uh, 20 acres of land to expand, uh, I was told, you don't need it. You're a woman. You don't need it. You're a woman. Thank you. With the discrimination, with the discrimination and the redlining at the bank, we just can't make it. Oh, thank you very much, Ms. Atkinson. Um, I would like for you to chime in at this point, uh, Eddie. What do you think about um, what's going on in our leadership? And it, it, is that a problem of leadership, or is it just a problem that um, we're not getting the necessary support uh, from our leaders, um, from the White House all the way uh, to USDA? Um, I, I would hope that with this administration that we will have a change uh, coming. I know that the Biden administration is very committed to civil rights. What is holding up uh, things changing at USDA, knowing the commitment that this president has uh, made ver- verbal and has spoken out on? What is keeping things from changing at USDA, Eddie? Well, when you talk about the black leadership, you know, I go back to what Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and I give my life for the sheep. When we had leaders like that, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King gave his life. You know, uh, Malcolm X gave his life. Mega Evers gave his life. James Madison gave his life. You know, now what we have, that all of our leaders are dead, and the only thing you have left is Highlands. Highlands, they do not care about the sheep. The sheep are not their own, and the only thing they're looking at is their personal gains for themselves. And over the last, at the last 50 years that they have killed them off, you go and look at them, they don't want to rock the boat because they pay good money for them. You know, uh, Stacey Abrams, I think they gave her $10 million, and, you know, when these, they don't want to rock the boat because they're Highlands, and they say when, the high, when Jesus say when the Highlands come, Right, and the wolf come, he gonna flee because they're not his own, and we don't have any leadership in America. They have killed all of our leadership over the last fifty years, and we're worse off now than we was, you know, fifty, sixty years ago. You know, in nineteen fifty-four, when Brown versus Board of Education, there was eighty-two thousand black teachers in this country in segregated schools. When you try to find out now how many black teachers you got in America, they say, well, we have people of color. <laughs> 
that way you don't know how much we have lost in those process. You know, and when you look at not us not having the leadership, when you go to anybody that's supposed to be in a position of leadership, it's just like when we went to Al Sharpton in uh, New York City and we told him about all the stuff that was going on with the black farms and how we was being treated, how they was taking our land. And he promised them that he was going to put his feet on that. He was going to bring them on his television show, and he going to pose them and all that. And like I told him, I said, let me tell you something. That man get paid by them people to do what they tell him to do. You know, he's going to be a black leader, but he's more of a highland. They done hired him to control you. They never heard. They tried to call back to Al Sharpton. They could never get him anymore. So we we know how these people are, you know. I mean, I remember back in uh, in the early 80s when we approached Jesse Jackson about it. He told us very clearly, you know, I get, I call a news conference with y'all for $10,000. And we were saying, brother, we don't have that kind of money. We're struggling as it is, you know. So we don't really have no leadership. You know, all the leadership we have out there is Highland. And we are not the one that hired them, and we are not the one that paid them. And you want to know why they don't represent us? Because we didn't hire them, you know. You look at it, they really don't. We don't have that kind of leadership. And so that's where we're at now. But the thing that we have to understand is, and we believe this to our heart, that no, nothing, you know, can live forever and do the stuff that we're doing. Unjustness is redemptive in Christ Jesus. We believe that. And we know that this is going to come to an end. You know, there are some things that we got in play. I didn't want to talk about it tonight. But it's time to let them know, you know, it's time for him to go. And it ain't no way of trying to deal with USDA. You got an obstruction, an obstructionist like the Grand Wizard Tom Vilsack in the position as Secretary of Agriculture, and he runs it like it's his own private plantation, and which it is because nobody has stopped him. He can do just what he please when he please, and the only way it's going to be turned around is for him to go. There's been a host of studies and commissions uh, done going all the way back to 1965, the Civil Rights uh, Commission report. You've had the uh, Civil Rights Action Team report. You've had the Harvard study. You've had the uh, D.J. Miller report. You've had uh, uh, many um, reports from Harvard University and studies with all these studies and all this research being done and all the recommendations, and you also had a recent September OIG report. With all these reports, uh, why isn't this something – why aren't these reports being uh, – and the recommendations coming out of these reports to fix the problem? Why haven't – why isn't that an issue, and why isn't that – those issues and those reports and those recommendations and solutions being enacted. What do you think, real quickly, Ms. They are not being enacted because those that are in office refuse to do their job. Amen. It's as simple as that. It's just as simple as that. Those that we have voted for refuse to do their job. It's on the book. We don't have to prove discrimination. It's already been proven. Amen. We don't have to prove that that, that, that we were done wrong. 
that's a, that has already been proven. Even the Judiciary Committee said my due process rights has been broken. That should have been enough for me to have been paid. But instead, because I dare stand up, and plus I am a woman, a black woman at that, I'm being punished. Hello? Uh, Eddie, can you very quickly summarize uh, where you think we have to go? Ms. Atkinson has made very clear that you've had all these reports, but nothing is being done. Uh, we have about four minutes left in terms of time. What do you think is the solution, and what are you going to do about it to help uh, farmers, and what can we do to help black farmers? I think that in the coming days and, 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 and even days or weeks that uh, we're going to have to get together and united front and ask for his resignation. And uh, when uh, we, if, if they don't immediately get his resignation, then we're going to have to be forced to do and grapple with the issue. Either he go or we go. And it don't make a difference which way, but he got to go. If he can't go, then we're going to go. You know, and uh, we're going to go out there and campaign against all of these people. Y'all want our vote? Then do justice by us as black farmers. You know that this man is in there. You know that he's a racist. You know he's wrong. He got, uh, he got a record showing how bad he does. You know, and then when he falsified documents, that's enough in itself for them to get rid of the guy. And, and, and go he will. He, he's going, you know. And, and that's why I got confidence in it because we know and they know that he's wrong. Why did Joe Biden put him there? I remember when uh, Congressman uh, James Clyburn of the South Carolina vehemently opposed him. And he had no respect for our leadership. And sometimes I wonder if Joe Biden really the so-called liberator that he really is. Because if, 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 if he thinks that uh, Tom Vilsack was a good choice, and we know he was the worst choice that he could find. So we have to look at the whole party and hold that party against him. And we're going to have to let the, the party know, the Democratic Party know that the party is open. You know, if you're going to keep somebody like this in office, you know, if he ain't going, then we going. So if something got to happen, something going to give. And we just can't fight, fight for 22 years is long enough. 22 years is long enough. Okay, but real quick in 30 seconds, are you saying that uh, that uh, the Trump administration uh, did a better job uh, than what was going on now? Um, just looking at all these uh, um, presidents and and uh, secretaries that have been there, um, has, did Trump uh, and a yes or no? Did Trump do any better? Well, we know two people that got their debt relief. I got my debt relief under the Trump administration because I knew Sonny Perdue when he was governor of Georgia, and I had him to look into my case, and I told him what was wrong. He saw it was wrong, so he went on and had them to go ahead and give me my debt relief, and I think uh, uh, maybe a couple of other farmers. But here's the problem. When they came back to me about it, I said, well, let me explain it to you this way. You asked the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, you looked into my case, you saw that it was wrong, and you righted a wrong, you know, and you might have righted the wrong one or two more. But here's the problem. 
if you want me to sing your praises, then you go and get the whole 17,000 black farmers that are indebted to USDA, and you give them all the same justice you gave me. We all can sing your praises. But you're not going to single me out for the Republicans that you did this thing for me when you did what your job required for you to do, and that was to do justice. And at the same token, so we did receive a minimal amount of better treatment under that administration than we have under this administration. He talks this good stuff about black this, black that, but when it comes time to do, he got his best friend in there, and if his best friend is the Grand Wizard, what does that say about uh, President Joe Biden? You know, if he's in love with his uh, good friend and he don't see nothing wrong with his uh, character, his actions, and the way he handled business, then, you know, we have to also question the president. You know, you you above all re- rejections all over the place about uh, Tom Vilsack being the Secretary of Agriculture, and he didn't listen to nobody. He wanted his good friend there. And I'm just wondering how good of friends are there. Maybe they'll be at the same meetings on Monday night with the hoods and everything. I don't know. Okay, Eddie. Um, I think uh, let's see if we can get um, Mrs. Bernice Atkinson. Uh, Mrs. Atkinson, what do you think the solution is? I think the solution is to uh, hold every person that is accountable. We had that Zoom prop, we had that Zoom meeting, and uh, Secretary Vilsack said that he saw a chance to right the wrong, and we need to hold him accountable. Amen. Amen. I agree. What I would like to do now is uh, close up the show. Okay. Okay. Um, Marty, are you there? Yes. We're pretty much at um, at our close of. Of time tonight, and I want to I want to thank both our guests for coming on at such a short notice and uh, sharing this information. And hopefully, we can uh, move forward and move forward together to bring about change. And I thank you very much for uh, having uh, having um, uh, having the guests on. And I thank Eddie and I thank uh, Mrs. Atkinson as well for coming on tonight. All right. Hey, I do. This was a good show. Good. Good night. We're having a lot of static problems tonight. Uh, Miss Askinson, thank yes. you for coming on. You were very informative. Very informative. And Eddie, as always, it's a pleasure. By the way, Eddie, I'm here in Georgia with you. Be careful, bud. <laughs> and I'm All right. Reed. Marcel Reed. <laughs> Up by Noonan. Oh, really? You had you had an hour from me. Oh, 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 oh. Watch out, Eddie. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, one of these days. But, uh, All right. Anyway, thank you both of you for coming on. This is this was a tremendous show, Lawrence. Thank you for putting this together. And we'll be talking more about this. And like I say, I wish everybody would kind of take a look at who's on the receiving end of this land that is stolen from the black farmers. I want to know, because that's going to tell you a lot about why things go the way they go. But anyway, it's a plan in action. We just got to figure out what the plan is. All right. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight.
this is Marty Oakley. This is the TS Radio Network, and we will be back again soon. I'm not sure when, but soon. (laughs) Good night, everyone.